0: Hello, welcome to another edition of Richard Abraham's Unlock Your Mental Health, sponsored by Elmhurst, the leading home improvement business in Leeds. Well, joining me on the couch is psychiatrist Rob Baskind. Hi, Rob. Hi, Richard. Thanks, uh, thanks for asking me. Uh, couches and psychiatrists, <laughs> is, is, is that a myth?
1: Um, it's a. Uh, comes back to the very first kind of psychiatrists who were often psychoanalysts like Freud and, and so on, but still uh, some of the psychoanalysts, psychotherapists would, would still use characters, but you don't really see them
0: very often now. Uh, the, the whole world uh, is changing and, and mental health, uh, in particular men's mental health, um, is getting a lot more... Coverage, uh, publicity, mileage, whatever—is um, th- is the world going crazy? I think there's a lot
1: of factors uh, isn't at the moment. Um, awareness, I think, is definitely definitely getting better. People feel they're able to talk about things, which I think before was um, stiff upper lips, and people would keep hidden, especially men. Um, it wasn't cool to kind of talk about your mental health um but i do think stresses uh on on lives are probably as heightened as they've ever been in life and then you add in things like covid and um, financial crises and um i think this just adds up to Mm the Kind of challenges that people are having day to day, and people are people are, are looking for support. Um, and um, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that that people want to look uh, at the mental health and look at ways to be able to feel better and uh, improve their lives.
0: Yeah, um, I read something recently in the paper, um, <clears throat> basically saying that um, um, there are a lot of we're talking probably into the millions possibly that are. Suffering with a mental health, and it's affecting their um, their work, Hmm. and it's affecting um, their lives. And there are so many people um, off work sick, uh, whereby it's affecting their mental health. Uh, Do do you think people are getting on the bandwagon as such as well?
1: Yeah, I think I I think I think I think that's difficult, and I, I I'm not keen to kind of. Suggest that, that that people necessarily uh, are, are, are doing that. Um, I think I think because I guess it, there's more awareness and and people maybe are looking more to uh, kind of get the support that they want to do that they're they're going to be uh, speaking up for themselves a little bit more. Um, you know, I see people who are regularly. Uh, kind of experiencing, you know, what we we may call kind of burnout. So so people who uh are taking on more and more demands and stresses and because what they're doing maybe to help support the family or getting you know finding it difficult to say no at work and so on and working longer hours, it's often the uh sacrifice they're making is in terms of their own self-care and 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 i guess mental health as a result but i think you know i think it's also kind of important to kind of differentiate kind of mental illness and and mental health because uh, mental health doesn't necessarily mean kind of bad mental health either so you know we've got mental illness where people might have a clinical diagnosed condition which which may need treatment and you know and that might need very intensive support and 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 then you've you've got kind of mental health where people's well-being and uh, you know their feelings of happiness and um, uh, you know feelings that they're able to function in day-to-day society is impacted and the, the two things I think are important to differentiate.
0: From uh, my personal experience of suffering w- with my mental health um, in, a, in a short period of time, um, and then looking at other people that have suffered, um, from my view, everyone has mental health. It's just that when it's acute, you can't function. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are people that function, and you look at them and think, God, they're mental. Um, so there's this sort of fine line, I believe, between, you know, everybody's got mental health, it's just a matter of percentages. Is that is that how you see it?
1: Yeah, um, and I think you're right. There's, there's, this, there's that kind of level and that kind of boundary where people become, I guess, it to a degree where they''re they're, they're unable to function and, and they can't continue to function without other support being uh, added in or or them kind of um getting you know professional support um and the and and then there's there's, there's lots I guess there's lots of people that are appearing to function as well in society mm. and, and what you know what what we find and, and you know what I finding my, you know, whether it's professionally or, or, or personally with, with friends or, or whatever is that you often don't know the kind of d- difficulties and challenges that people are having day to day and people keep, keep, keep those kind of quite hidden and, and that can be kind, you know, quite a, a harmful, harmful thing to do because dealing with that internally um, all the time, there's often got to be somewhere where that ends up you know, flowing out, um, and, and, and that could mm. be in other areas of kind of self-sabotage or more destructive yeah, behaviours. Yeah.
0: I mean, sort of what worried me, Rob, was um, when I was uh, becoming poorly uh, was the alarming rate at which uh, the anxiety was potentially spir- spiralling at such a, a rate uh, that actually, thinking I'd caught it early that the medication itself sort of wasn't catching up with the anxiety and that led to all sorts of problems. On saying that, though, on analysis, um, whether was this a build-up? Uh, probably. I'm not sure. Uh, um, and you must see all sorts of different scenarios.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I guess, you know, in, in terms of what what you experienced... It, it, you know, was there was there a, was there a time where you felt you almost lost that ability to introspect to, in, into yourself to to appreciate how poor you were at one stage? And I think that that's that's when it it, it is very concerning, isn't mm. it? And that's when family members. I mean, I, I don't know of, of your personal experience, but I wonder whether that was that was a place that you got to at one point where you might have not really. Being able to judge yourself, how how poor you were.
0: No, no, and and as you say, a lot of things are kept in, mm-hmm. and, and especially with men. Um, so over the years, <clears throat> um, obviously, you've been um, a psychiatrist for how many years?
1: So I finished medical school t- two thousand and one. Um, started my psychiatry training um, after my uh, initial kind of house medical year and um so yes yeah, so since 2002 i guess um qualified as a consultant um 2008
0: 2009 so um so a while <laughs> yeah a well, while and so in the modern era of today uh, the terminology um and um the diagnosis for example take um uh, ADHD which i believe you sh- uh, specialize in um but that wasn't, how can I put it, around many years ago. Um, it's suddenly become, uh, I would use the word popular. But mm. um, uh, explain a bit about ADHD. Okay, so um, so ADHD
1: uh, is actually a condition that has been talked about for decades. And actually if you look in literature um, uh, centuries, um, there's, there's this talk of the kind of challenges that people have with ADHD um, even in, in, in some kind of 18th century uh, literature. ADHD stands for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and and what it is, it's it's what we call a, a neurodevelopmental condition. So it's a condition, you know, in, in very kind of layperson speak, in, in that people's brains are wired slightly differently, um, and this um, has uh, impacts in, in in lots of different areas. Um, so it affects often people's. Uh, at attention, so the ability to kind of focus, um, to uh, manage distraction, um, to organise themselves day to day, but also can affect other symptoms like being very hyperactive and, and being impulsive. And I guess traditionally people kind of thought of ADHD very much as being kind of a, a naughty boys uh, condi- yeah, yeah, con- condition, yeah. and that's kind of uh, this the stereotype that, that people have about ADHD, but... What we've kind of learnt, um, particularly over the last 20, 30 years, um, actually, is that it um, has different types of presentations. It affects women much more uh, commonly than than it's been actually diagnosed. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean... Was it around, I would very much argue that it was around, I think think it's a condition that has just raised a lot of awareness um, through media, and I think like some other conditions, I guess, previously, kind of bipolar disorder was was a condition which kind of got a lot of, um, you know, people called it kind of trendy or popular due to uh, a number of celebrities starting to talk about it. and that's kind of happened a little bit with ADHD, that a lot of kind of uh, c- celebrities have, have talked about having ADHD. And um, I think with the social media age as well, because of TikTok and things like that, you know, this argument is actually kind of all these social media almost causing ADHD or is it ADHD causing um, uh, um, kind of, because of the difficulties that people have with ADHD or the short attention span, are these kind of apps like TikTok and 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 YouTube and so on? Are they just uh, catering to, to to people with ADHD so they're more likely to go on? And there's probably a little bit of both to to to, to be honest. Um, uh, but there's there's been an absolute explosion in terms of um, demand um, over. I started doing it in. Uh, Uh, I a service in 2011 and you know we went from having um probably 40 to 50 referrals a month to 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 that being the the uh the referral rate per week so uh services the problem is services haven't caught up um so so we've got this kind of big demand but there's still, there's still a lot of kind of stigma and, and, and so on about ADHD but it's you know it's actually got uh, you know a enormous amount of uh, scientific mm. uh, evidence and, and and journal papers that have been written about it and it's got the thing about ADHD is it's got incredibly effective treatment um, um, much more more so you, you might say than, than some other Areas and conditions that that
0: that, that yeah. get treated. So, um, has has the um, lockdown and COVID uh, from that point brought more cases of that? Uh, that's first question. And secondly, uh, do you think with uh, Google uh, etc., yeah. um, people uh, tend to self-diagnose themselves and and uh, think they've got it?
1: Good questions. So, COVID certainly um, increased the, the the rate of of, of referrals. Um, I think there's a few reasons for that. Um, firstly, people were having to work at home. So previously, people who may have had challenges around ADHD, so they may have had uh, kind of difficulties, I guess, with restlessness, or kind of organising themselves or uh, struggling with not being stimulated um, often enough previously may have worked in areas of work with other people uh, um, in active jobs um, you know had company around them Um, suddenly with Covid uh, are working from home having to focus on long meetings on on video. um, And I think some of the challenges that may have been masked before suddenly became a lot more Mm. prominent for them. And also, I think I think for everybody COVID became a a time where people reflected about themselves um, and reflected about some of the challenges and, and the kind of treadmill that so many people are on kind of slow down and and, and and stopped for many and uh, people took uh, time to kind of think about kind of their lives and, and 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 difficulties and things like that so um absolutely um i think that's uh, covid has had an effect um and in terms of google and self-diagnoses yeah i mean i've got I've got quite strong opinions about this because um, um, there, there is definitely a debate about kind of self-diagnosis and if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I'm quite a supporter of it in, in, in many aspects, mainly because if you are struggling with something which you can't really identify what it is, sometimes you can't even articulate to a doctor or a therapist exactly what it is that's going on for you um, that it's very natural to then self-explore and if you're going to self-explore and then be able to search and find something that resonates with you that you feel comfortable and you can connect with and you feel okay they're the kind of challenges that i'm having god that's the first time i've read something that i can understand what this other person that's that uh, is describing their problems is having because it resonates with what i am i have then i think that's a really good thing now i'm not saying that you know people shouldn't then go and speak to someone and get a a formal diagnosis and you know it might not be that they're right but if this is going to help people to identify the difficulties they're having and then go and get the appropriate help when previously they actually probably wouldn't have had an avenue or a way to be able to understand Uh, themselves um and would have suffered and you know they they would have probably been told to go away by the doctors or the therapists because They wouldn't understand what was going on.
0: Mm. Now, I'm talking about the sort of um, trying to explain to a specialist um, uh, how you feel. Um, And again, I'm going to talk from a personal experience that when you are so anxious and not thinking straight, um, um, it must be a challenge for the psychiatrist to try and work out what is going on in this particular instance, I suppose that's why you're a psychiatrist, uh, but from a patient point of view, um, the, sometimes they can't really get anything out of the, um, uh, the meeting, uh, as it were, uh, with the psychiatrist because it's hard to explain how they feel, uh, so it's a challenge on both sides um and in that respect right I um you know are you sometimes I don't say oh have you failed but uh is it difficult to really get to the root cause of, of something with someone in that instance do, do, do you accept, yeah you know, yeah, I know, I know
1: I know I know what you mean and um I think um you know I've worked kind of in the system obviously for for a couple for 20 years Um, I left the NHS last year Um, I think one of the things that frustrated me I guess was we often weren't given the time Mm. to to, to spend with people and um, it is difficult sometimes to really understand someone I mean if you've got an hour or an hour and a half assessment with someone then and someone's really trying to explain the difficulties and sometimes you actually have to really understand that person you have to understand their background you understand their childhood the kind of difficulties that they've gone through to really understand what what's happening and, and often it is a very um anxiety provoking situation to actually go and see a psychiatrist and you know it can feel very intimidating um, um i i i recognize that um that you know, you're getting asked a lot of questions on the spot, and almost like this is kind of your opportunity, but that puts a lot of pressure on, I think. And especially if you are poorly and unwell, I mean, the assessments I do um, are at least three hours long, uh, mostly, um, and that includes usually 90 minutes to two hours of just taking a narrative history from somebody to really and what I. See is that the majority of people I see, and I see you know any um anybody from the age of eighteen up until you know sixty or um and so the majority of people i'm seeing have got quite long histories, you know they're usually thirties forties fifties um and they've never had the opportunity really to talk to someone about their life um and that's a very therapeutic process, I find, for, for, for most people. And that in itself can be really helpful. Um, but if you're just seeing somebody and they're just firing questions, you know, about what's happening here and now, a lot of the difficulties that people are having aren't, yes, of course, it's presenting in, in a way that they're seeing their doctor at that particular time. But it, there's often a lot. Um, a lot of history Mm -hmm. that needs to be understood to really understand what's going on so and this is what happens with ADHD a lot is that a lot of people who don't know they've got ADHD or whatever will go to their doctor because they're feeling anxious or they're feeling a bit depressed because something has gone wrong you, you know whether it's a relationship breakup or they've lost a job which are the kind of things we often see happen to people with, with ADHD um, that's what gets looked at so you might get treated for your anxiety or depression but actually what's happening is that is an expression of these underlying difficulties wow. that have never been addressed before so without taking a history and really understanding you know you know, the kind of difficulties they may have had at school, for instance, the the kind of difficulties they may have had um, in social situations, then you're you're really not going to kind of nail down to, to what's going on. And what we often find, what I saw in the NHS all the time was that people would get, Assessment after assessment after assessment from different people, and they'd have to tell the story from scratch. You know, you'd go in, you'd you'd see a crisis team, and then you go in, you might you might see a community mental health team, and then you might go into hospital. And each time, people were asked to tell the whole story. And you know, you're nodding. I imagine you've probably had experience of that. And it's it, I think it's fairly soul destroying. And the fact that we haven't kind of really Organise the system to help people to <clears throat> not have to do that, and that a really good assessment can't be
0: gathered early on. Yeah. Um, that follows the patient, and that that's that's a real issue. Well, yeah, from a from a patient's point of view, and again, talking from personal experience, you know, we we are frustrated. We are ill we want a fix very quickly and having had a I would say an awful experience going down the private route thinking oh god I'm going to pay for a private psychiatrist because you know and, and it was just a horrendous situation but I got more out of when I was better doing say CBT therapy when I was actually functioning and could understand what it was all about. For me I got more out of that that was better anyway, Rob. you see what I mean, so well you thought, well, what's the point of that but um it's I think genuinely people don't really know which way to turn sometimes when they're poorly and cool. and hopefully now, with all this communication and <clears throat> especially again with men um are things becoming easier, or is it just or the system getting clogged up for people to? Get the help they need. I think the
1: the, the system, if we if we call them the system the NHS at the moment, um, is is struggling. Um, I, I think I think it, it'd be a lie to say it wasn't. Um, in terms of people being able to access help t- timely, There's some incredible uh, clinicians and you know uh, people working in the NHS who you know, really dedicate their lives, and, and sometimes their own um, kind of mental health suffers as, as a result. Um, but we are, I think, I think from my point of view, we are seeing a lot more options of services that are uh, becoming available um, across different sectors, um, and so there is definitely more opportunity. But. I think I think I think one of the difficult issues that you know we don't talk about, and certainly the system isn't supporting enough, is the early identification of of, um, of difficulties before people get to the maybe the situation that, that you felt that you got into, so that people are recognising kind of their challenges, their um, you know, and, and there's a whole you know, you've got to kind of look at the whole person and all the different aspects, really. So, you know, are we kind of really helping to educate people about self-care, about kind of the right nutrition, about exercise, about, you know, just things like, um, you know, communicating, being able to talk to people, um, um, and about mental health um you know it's getting a little bit better i think people are doing things like first aid mental health and things like that but um i think i think i think we still we still got a, a way to go but um i think yeah the early uh, early kind of identification and 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 support you know i feel you know one of, one of the really difficult things i see in adhd is that one of the, i often ask for people to bring their school reports and they they bring the school reports and, and this is, you know, this might be someone who's 30 and went to school mm. kind of 15 years ago or it might be someone who's 21 and went to school, and, you know, and I'm still seeing them, still seeing these type of school reports sadly and, you know, throughout the school reports, it's, you know, must try harder, must focus harder, you know, it's, you know, um, c- negative comments about their behaviour and mm. and, you know, from one year to the next nothing no one really identifying has actually this individual got some challenges have they got some difficulties or are we just going to punitively kind of uh, remark in a a negative way around them and you you know how does that impact someone's self-esteem you know at a young age how does it impact that person's development of their beliefs about themselves um you know that actually, I'm being told that everything I do is wrong. You're going to believe that mm. you are wrong, um, and then as you, as you as you grow older and you become an adult, then that will often be a core belief that you will hold about yourself, um, and that's going to have, um, and it does have, yeah. you know, because I see it all the time. And in, um, Massive impact on people's mental health and their well-being, um, but you know we're we're almost programming yeah. kids from a very early age um, to think that about themselves, and I think that's the really
0: sad, sad part. Can, can you grow out of ADHD, or you know has it got to be medication-led, or, or yeah. are, 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 you know what what do you prescribe, as it were?
1: So um, yeah, I mean the 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 old kind of Uh, school idea i guess was that um you could have adhd maybe as a child and then suddenly as you hit your 18th birthday it it kind of disappeared um and um that's that's a a complete myth um um adhd doesn't go away um you either have adhd or you don't now it will potentially present um, in in different ways at different times of your life, um, depending on kind of what your demands are at a certain time. But also, you know, people do develop strategies. And um, there's a lot of strengths and positives to ADHD. So I've talked about kind of some of the difficulties that people have, but there's loads of strengths, you know, being creative, often really passionate individuals, um, you know, often extremely empathic you know so many people i see who work in kind of caring professions you know but um you know the very creative you know comedians um sportsmen um you know actors you know there's there's just musicians um really uh, you know across the board of the kind of creative
0: uh, Mm -hmm. side businessmen um yeah, my wife thinks I've got ADHD. Maybe I should come for a consultation or <laughs> well, we, we could talk about that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I was just gonna so 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 it's so, a so,
1: so, no, uh, people don't grow out of it as such, um, but it may present um in, in, in different ways and um yeah, and in terms of treatment, I mean I can talk a little bit about that if you if you if if you want. Um there's different treatments that, that, that help people with ADHD. You know, a lot of, um, a lot of the stigma I think is about the medication that gets prescribed for ADHD and the <coughs> fact that we prescribe stimulants. So we prescribe psychostimulants. These are, these are prescribed drugs, which have been through lots of trials and evidence. Um, and, but, um, they work, um, and they work really well. And, um, a lot of, there's, there's a lot of nonsense that's talked about in terms of they're addictive, they cause horrendous side effects. Of course, all medications can cause side effects, but the majority of uh, people that take these medications uh, tolerate them pretty well, actually. Um, and there are also medications that people can start and stop. And, you know, I've I've been doing this for 12 years and I've... I've, I don't think I've really experienced anybody who's become addicted uh, on, on, on these drugs. Um, and actually, um, the evidence suggests, in fact, that if you diagnose ADHD early enough, so, in, you know, in China or teenage years, um, you actually reduce the risk of them later on, um, you know, misusing recreational drugs rather than the other way around. So um, mm. so I think the evidence is, is fairly clear
0: T- talking of drugs, uh, let's talk about antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And again, lots written about antidepressants. I read an article last week about the challenges of coming off antidepressants um, and um, stigmas and comments associated with antidepressants. There are millions of people taking antidepressants. Um, in your opinion, um, um and from, again, a personal experience, do you believe that um, having had a mental health um, episode uh, and then, say, a second one a few years later, do you believe a maintenance dose of antidepressants keeps you on the straight and narrow and could potentially prevent another episode? Um,
1: It's difficult to be totally um
0: generalized
1: with for, to to give that response um, because everyone is is different um um mm-hmm. antidepressants can be incredibly effective for for, for 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 people um and can save people's lives in in my opinion um and there's definitely a issue at times where people might be feel that it's right to come off antidepressants when they feel a bit better and 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 that could potentially be a risk factor for relapsing you know in answer to your question could staying on an antidepressant be kind of prophylactic could it help prevent further episodes i think the evidence suggests certainly it could am i concerned that too many people might get prescribed antidepressants um i, I am i i i i i do f- concern that people get put on antidepressants oh. maybe too easily um at times and i think this is due to the lack of time that people have doctors gps or, or um have with patients, um, and we don't have the resources for the other types of support, um, like CBT and, and, and other therapists um, and well-being tools um, available uh, to, uh, to, to offer because it is true, um, and you know, antidepressants can be very difficult for some people to come off. And it's something that psychiatry um, did hide. Behind for 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 quite a long time, if I'm honest, um, but uh, certainly being more honest in in recent years, the the um, like the Royal College of Psychiatrists have been uh, kind of bringing out more uh, uh, guidance around this, where previously probably they didn't. Um, but it, it is it is an issue, and it, I think patients need to be informed about that. Um, as a potential problem um, that they might later down the line have difficulty coming off these these medications. This is not to minimise the effects the medications might have, but um, it, it's certainly an, an issue that we, we shouldn't be
0: um, minimising. So who looks after you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, um, have you ever been on the couch yourself? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I guess... Um, the 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 kind of fairly in, in, unusual uh, situation that uh, I'm in is um, having worked with uh, ADHD service for mm-hmm. kind of eleven years, or so and still working in ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was working in ADHD team, um, colleagues of mine would, would 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 kind of joke about at times, saying that they thought I had ADHD, and mm-hmm. I am. Um, it's difficult looking back to say why I did um um was in quite a lot of denial about that and uh, um and it may be because I was kind of the doctor and the, the, the lead of the service that kind of was a bit of a protective factor for, for yeah, me yeah. to kind of think, oh well, there's no way that, you know, why I would I, I would have ADHD. Um but um over the last um kind of uh, six to eight months, um I actually started having some therapy myself and through that it kind of exploring some of the challenges that I had it it was, I had my own epiphany um that crikey um you know yeah. this condition that I've been treating other people all these years is 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 actually me um and um yeah it was it was it was it was an interesting process um I think um you know, one of the other things that kind of led to that was, uh, you know, my dad was moving house uh, um, and we were looking through some of the boxes and I was kind of opened my school reports and I was like, whoa, like, I don't really remember how much I was struggling actually. And then looking kind of at aspects of my career and I guess uh, pathways where I feel I probably should have been able to progress in in different ways, whether it was through kind of research or other things, and some of the kind of uh, difficulties I had around um, kind of some organisation and uh, uh, kind of making silly mistakes at times. Um, it started to. Uh, build a story that that um, I'd I'd kind of hidden a little bit. So, yeah, I went myself for, uh-huh. for my own assessment uh-huh. and um, uh, got diagnosed. Um, and I'm um, taking uh, treatment myself. And um, I'm glad I did because it answers quite a few questions for me, uh, which I felt myself kind of not quite sure for many many years and uh, uh, had. Uh, maybe felt a bit kind of misunderstood and um couldn't quite understand myself why i wasn't doing Mm. as well as other people but yeah and i kind of spoke to the therapist about this and uh, (laughs) said that often our subconscious leads us to work with in an area or or people that we identify with Mm. um maybe not consciously um and um you know my My areas of work have been, I've always wanted to work with, I guess, uh, more vulnerable, socially excluded individuals. I worked in prisons for eight years, so um, just just down the road from here in Armley. Mm -hmm. Um, I was the prison psychiatrist for eight years. I worked, uh, you know, in homeless GP practices, I worked with people with ADHD. So when I look back, I've Mm -hmm. worked with a lot of people who, I guess... Don't feel understood, um, feel kind of excluded, and um, there was parts of that. I think that subconsciously I, I identified oh, yeah. with.
0: So um, that's that's interesting. But apart from the ADHD, you are a uh, uh, like everybody else who has uh, their stress bucket. Um, uh, Potentially exploding from time to time, challenges of the family, challenges of your work, challenges of finances. What yeah. um, and what do you do to uh, keep the stress at bay and relax? Or, or what would you, you know, because yeah. men, men, um, as I say, um, so some people just don't know what to do. I'll be honest. Um,
1: I wasn't uh, kind of looking inside for this uh, at myself probably until the last 12 months. Um, And I guess, you know, one of the things that kind of triggers was um, I was getting so overwhelmed with work in the NHS um, alongside a lot of other personal challenges I was having um, at home um, that it got to the point where uh, I was speaking to colleagues and managers in the NHS to try and reduce my workload and wasn't really getting a positive response to that. And it came to the point where I felt I had no choice but to resign and leave. Um, And the day I left the NHS and my email box wasn't full of thousands of emails and uh, um, the stress I was feeling in terms of leading a service in the NHS and feeling this almost kind of emotional responsibility Uh for everybody that was under my care um, and even wider than that um, kind of dropped and a massive weight dropped off my my shoulders. So that was the first thing I did Uh was to look at, and this was even before I had ADHD, was to make a quite drastic decision to take significant pressures off myself um, and took three months off work um, to just recalibrate, just kind of think about what I wanted to do next um, to try and have a quality of life because I realised actually that I struggled in a stressful environment I struggled uh, uh, myself with kind of feeling overwhelmed and um, um, anxiety I guess um, and wasn't paying enough attention to myself so, so, so uh, alongside kind of changing my work life balance I guess um, the other things that I've kind of done is i've been uh seeing somebody myself uh, for therapy uh once a week and that i would recommend that to everybody i wish i'd done it 15 years ago if i'm honest um just having that independent person that you can talk to to where you feel it's a safe space where you can feel you can talk about things which might be difficult to talk to other people or or people close to you even um has been incredibly helpful um just looking at things which uh m- help me feel calm um so having walks um i've started doing regular meditation and i found that incredibly helpful too um uh you know i strongly recommend meditation i think it gets a bit of a um kind of uh, you've got to be a bit kind of woo woo uh to, to do meditation and, um but um I strongly believe in it, I think it's um, having been doing it myself um uh creating that space for yourself each each day um exercise, but not doing exercise just for the tick in the box of doing exercise, which I think is probably what I did before doing it because um in a in a more kind of planned way but In a way that you've, in the past I would do exercise and I'd rush to go to the gym in the morning and then I'd Mm. rush to go and pick my kids up and I'd rush to work and it was all just rushing from one thing to another but actually being able to do some exercise and then have a bit of time even just after the exercise just to Mm -hmm. help your body kind of uh, relax rather than, you know, I used to leave the gym after a shower feeling as sweaty as I did when I, before I, before I had the shower because I was rushing so much so if you're on this treadmill all the time uh, you know that's that's one of the things that's really helped to kind of get off the treadmill and and, and you know and and uh, taking some medication as well has been really helpful so so I guess there's lots of different things um um that've that've helped but uh yeah seeing somebody kind of that I don't know if you maybe that spiritual side of of, of meditating as well. I, th- I think probably the the two things that I would kind of put as uh, the most impactful and uh, what I'd recommend.
0: So, where uh, where do you go from here in terms of your career path? Um
1: Yeah, I I don't know. Um It's um it's 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 something I'm exploring at the moment. Um, currently, I I work privately uh, doing ADHD assessments, and I'm building up some coaching uh, experience, and, and uh, I'm really enjoying that side of things because uh, I think one of the things that I feel has, has become important to me is not just to. Focus on people who uh, may be regarded as medically ill, but actually, um, mm-hmm. to help people in general, um, kind of leave, lead, kind of happier and more meaningful lives. And I think that applies to everybody because I think there's a lot of people who 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 are struggling in, in there, and um, it doesn't necessarily kind of. You don't necessarily have to kind of meet criteria for severe mental illness to to to, to need help and support, and um, you know, because uh, I think sometimes what we what we do with illness is we we want to get somebody from not being ill to kind of back to kind of neutral, uh, but actually, what I think is also really uh, important for us to focus on, and I think maybe in terms of. Um, services and, and, and so on, there they have the capacity, or we're not, we haven't thought as, as much about mental illness before, is actually then helping people get more than that. So from neutral to being happy and leading meaningful lives. And, and I think that's, that's, that's the gap that it's not just about just getting people from being unwell to being neutral is actually let's help people build
0: better lives say that about dieting that it's not it's not the diet it's a a lifestyle change it's for long term rob it's been a pleasure having you on the couch today and uh hope to see you soon thank you very much thanks for having me